one week and pick up next week with a, another point of the same continual message. So um, every week you're going to get something that is going to build to the next week and then the week after and the week after. This morning is a sermon that I call a bridge. And, and by that I mean we're about to enter into some deep teaching some deep water, some things that are going, and, and let me tell you up front, the next few weeks, not, not next week, next week is something totally um, unusual and special. Next Sunday morning is a totally special service. It, it, we're not going to be doing this series next Sunday. Something different is going to be happening next Sunday morning. Sunday night I'm going to pick up with this series. And for the next several sermons in this teaching, you are going to be confronted with some things that you didn't even know you were carrying around. We're going to have powerful altar times of prayer and trying to get deliverance for people, trying to get people free from things that they did not even know that they were bound in. But this morning is what I call a bridge. It's a teaching that you need to tie together what we've already been talking about and where we're going. Because what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, and it's a, it's a different standard, is, is the name of the message. What I'm going to talk about this morning is a teaching that you need to grasp and hold on to. Because in order for you to get the ultimate victory over the next several teachings, you're going to have to apply what I teach you this morning. Does that make sense to everybody? Are you, are you with me? So, so I'm going to take my text this morning out of 2 Chronicles chapter 9. Second mm-hmm. uh, Chronicles, if you don't know where Second Chronicles is, it, it's somewhere around the middle part of your Old Testament. It's uh, uh, left of the Psalms, if you find the Psalms. Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter 9. What I'm going to teach you this morning, and I'm going to have to teach. I've got so many scriptures. I, I know this has been a scripture-heavy teaching. I get that, and I don't apologize for it, because I'd rather give you what he said than what I said any day of the week. And today's not going to be any different. I'm just going to lay out a whole lot of scripture. But, but, but the, the theme of this morning is going to be imperative to what we're going to be teaching the next several weeks. Because in order for me to get you free, you have to adopt what I'm going to teach you this morning. Are you with me? So, so before I even get started and open the Word of God, I want you to pray for yourself. You say, I don't want to do that, Pastor, because last week I prayed for myself and you got mean. I know. I know, I apologized in advance, but I told you to pray for yourself because you need to pray for yourself that you'll be open and receptive to what the Word uh, is going to present to you today. So will you do that? Would you find somewhere on your chest, somewhere on your mind, wherever you feel like you might need the, the most help? Maybe you need help both places. And would you just begin, God, I need this Word today. Uh, would, would you make me receptive to what you want to say and let heaven speak to my heart and my mind in Jesus' name? Are you ready for this word this morning? Can you say amen? So we're going to talk about a different standard. I have quite a bit of scripture in the front end of this. 2 Chronicles chapter 9 beginning with verse 1. When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, and precious jewels. I want to stop right there and, 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 and just... Make a notation. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan, and that was loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, precious jewels. And when she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers of their robes, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She explained, ex- exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what I was What was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of your great wisdom. It is far beyond what I was told. 
How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne as king to rule for him. Because God loves Israel and desires this kingdom to last forever, he has made you king over them so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king a gift. Remember, she arrived with a lot of stuff. Now she gives him a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices, and precious jewels. Never before had there been spices as fine as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Did you see what the Bible just said? Never before was there such an offering given. In addition, the crews of Hiram and Solomon brought gold of Ophir, and they also brought red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood to make steps of the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before, there's that phrase again, never before had such beautiful things been seen in Judah. When this woman brought an offering to the king, it was unlike anything anybody had ever seen before. Verse 12 says this, King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for. She gave him gifts that nobody had ever seen. And then he gave her whatever she asked for. And look what it says. Gifts of greater value than the gifts she had given him. And then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Did you see what just happened? The queen of Sheba brought an offering, two actually, that nobody had ever seen the likes of such before. She brought an offering to a king that nobody had... It took people's breath away at the magnitude of the offering. And he turned around and one-upped her. He turned around and gave her an offering that, and a gift bigger than the one she presented to him. And nobody had ever seen anything the way she gave. And so a king, what you need to understand and what my message is about today is a queen, a king, or a ruler in Old Testament times was always very conscientious about their glory. When rulers would visit one another, they never went empty-handed. They would always present a treasure. When they went to see each other, to visit one another, to exchange ideas, they always presented an offering. And here's what you don't know. A receiver could never let the giver's glory outdo their own. So before the queen left, the king was obligated to outdo her giving. She, he was obligated to one-up her. And that's what just happened in the story I read to you. The queen of Sheba got together an offering like nobody had ever seen before. And she took this offering. I'm about to give you a nugget. You ready for this? She took this offering to the richest man who ever lived. You tell me, why did Solomon need her offering? It had nothing to do with Solomon. It had to do with the queen's honor. The queen could not come into the presence of a king and not display a high level of honor. She had to show honor to gain presence. I could quit right now and say I've already preached. She had to show an um, amount of honor do the king in order to gain an audience with said king. But what you fail to realize is once she showed up in his presence and gave him the honor he was due, he was then obligated to one-up her and outdo her and give back to her more than she displayed to him. My God in heaven. So, so in order, other words, before she, she honored her way into his presence and he gifted her way out. 
And I don't know if you know it or not, but Jesus is also a king. And when King Jesus wants you in his presence, there is a certain level of honor you need to bring to him. But rest assured, he will never let you outgive him. So when you bring a proper amount of honor into the king's presence, he's going to bless you abundantly before he releases you out of it. And that, my friend, is what I want to talk to you about this morning. I don't know if you know it or not, but Jesus did not come to bring a new religion. He, he came to introduce a whole new system. And he called that system the kingdom. And as a king, he is concerned with his glory. And, and, and he won't allow anybody who brings him an offering to outgive him. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. But first, let me set the stage. We live in a culture of disrespect. What I'm about to tell you in the next four hours. My wife's got her shoe ready. We live in a culture of disrespect. As a people, in 2023, we have rejected the idea that we need to show honor to other people. I, I, listen, I admire other cultures from outside their culture. You, I, I know you're not supposed to say anything about cult, but forget all that jargon. I, I, I respect people. And, and one thing that I, I respect uh, about other cultures is how they uh, show honor to one another. I love, I love the black culture, how the black culture always believes in showing honor from generation to generation. Asians do the same thing. They, they believe in showing honor to their elders and showing honor through generation. A, a lot of us, we didn't grow up like that. We, we weren't imparted those teachings to one another. And so, uh, but here's the, the damage that's been done in 2023 America. We're being raised in a generation, and we're, we're seeing our children raised in a generation where we don't want to honor nobody or nothing. We, we, we are very disrespectful. As a matter of fact, Paul told Timothy one of the signs of the last days was that children would become disrespectful. That they would no longer honor their parents. And here's the problem. Before we start bashing children, children have no idea how to honor their parents or their teachers or people in authority because the teachers and the parents and the people in positions of authority aren't showing anybody else honor. I'm old enough to remember when even politicians that didn't like the other side's views at least respected the position enough that when they went on television, they didn't bash the other people. Those days are long gone. So now our children are watching even people in authority do nothing but bash personal attacks on other people. And somebody in this generation is going to have to raise a new standard. Somebody in this generation is going to have to teach, uh, teach the world that this is what honor looks like. And, and we need to learn how to show honor correctly. And it might as well begin in the house of the Lord. If anybody ought to understand kingdom principles, it ought to be God's people. We live under the delusion that honor is something that's supposed to be earned. But heaven doesn't see things that way. You know what Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 says? You should have memorized this when you were in Little Tyke in Sunday school. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And it says this, Honor your father and your mother. Oh yeah, there it is. Honor your father and your mother. Where is the part of the scripture that says, As long as they deserve it? Where is the part of that scripture that says, as long as they did everything you wanted them to do and make you feel good? And, and don't say anything crossways to you and never make mistakes. Where's that part of the scripture at? It says plainly, honor them because of their position, not because of what they did or how they did it. In other words, church, you don't show honor to people because they're honorable. That's objective. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I've been a good dad, and I've been a lousy dad. And it wasn't because of the, I changed my mind. It's because I'm flawed. 
So there's been times I've raised three children, and we have six and seven years between all three of them. I'm not the same dad to Hannah that I was to Alyssa because I have changed. I've gotten older. I've gotten tired. My God, I used to feel like I worked for the CIA and the FBI. Like I was peeping around corners. I had a telescope. Like I was bugging the rooms. And now Hannah's just like, whatever, girl, just go do you. Like you come back still breathing. It's a win in Jesus' name. Honor has nothing to do with how they do the job. Honor is your standard. You show people honor because that is your standard, no matter how they line up. Why is this important? And why is it important going forward in this teaching? Because, listen, if we get over to Mark 9, and I start teaching you about this miracle power that's in you, that's supposed to come out of you and be a blessing to the world around you, you're not ever going to access it if you don't understand honor is the key to having access. I'm going to say that again because my whole sermon this morning hinges on this thought. Honor is the key to gaining access. What do I mean by that? Access to what, pastor? To whatever blessing is attached to the person that you are honoring. Let's look at Exodus 20 and 12 again. What does it say? Honor your father and your mother, period. Stop right there. You show honor to them. Then you get access to the blessing. The blessing is you will live a long, full life in the land your Lord God has given you. So, so do, you, do you see how honor is the key to access? There is a blessing tied to showing honor. When you show honor to mom and dad, you gain access to the promise. You can't claim the promise. We're living in a delinquent generation that wants to just snatch promises that we have no authority to snatch. We're trying to just claim all the promises of God. We post it all over our Facebook page. We, we ain't served God. We haven't honored God. We haven't given God any glory. But we want to claim all the healing and all the blessing promises and all them scriptures that say that we're the head, not the tail, and above and not beneath. We want to claim all that, but we haven't given God any honor. You have to first honor in order to gain access. Oh, see, see, th th this is going to become abundantly important in the next few weeks because you have to know that one comes before the next. There is a promise attached to the act of showing honor. Can I go deeper? There's also trouble ahead if you refuse to give honor. Every sin that you've ever committed can be traced back to a lack of honor. You were either dishonoring God, you were dishonoring somebody else, or you were dishonoring yourself. Every sin that you have committed can be traced back to dishonor. You didn't think enough of yourself to put yourself in the wrong bed. Y'all not going to help me. You, you, didn't, you didn't think enough of yourself, so you dishonored yourself. Or you stole from somebody else because you did not honor them. Or, or you committed sin, outright blatant sin that you know is against God's word because you didn't honor him and his word. Which leads me to the next part of this. Because when you refuse to give honor, the Ten Commandments were given to us. Four of them are about honoring God. Six of them are about honoring other people. So before anything else, if you desire to gain the blessings of the word, you must honor two things above everything else. God and his word. You have to honor God and His Word above everything. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again. In order for you to gain access of the blessings of the Word, you have to honor God and His Word. You're not allowed to rip pages out of your Bible and snatch Scripture that you haven't honored God throughout the day, throughout your life. Psalm 138 and 2 says it like this. I will worship you towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. See, see, there alone is where you should get your standard. Your standard of living is in two things. 
If you want the power of the word, the blessings of the word, the promises of the word, you get your standard from two places. What God is, who God is, and what he said. And if anything is calling you to a lower standard of living than what that book says you can have, you should reject it. Because that's not your standard. There might be a relationship that wants you to compromise what that book teaches. Or there's an addiction that's trying to get you to live at a lower standard than what you know God wants for you. But if you don't honor that God, and you don't honor this book above everything else, you will never get the blessings promised in the Word. Are you still with me? Have I preached you into a coma already? I know we're living in a don't offend me generation. I know the culture that, that the culture that we're living in today does not look like the one when I was raised. And I don't feel like I'm that old, but sometimes I feel like a dinosaur. Because when I was a little kid, our teachers could snatch us up out of our seat, take us out in the hallway, tell us to touch our toes, and warm up our backside to remind us of the rules that was posted on the wall. And then when I got to the house. My mama did not take me back to the school and berate the teacher. She said, you embarrass me like that at the school, bend over. When I graduated high school, my elementary principal came to the graduation ceremony. I shook his hand at the end of the thing and I said, you probably don't recognize me. Let me show you this. Because you saw more of that than you did my face the whole six years I was there. Why is it important for me to tell you about offense? Because you're not supposed in the culture we're living in, we're not supposed to say anything that offends anybody. We're not allowed to tweet anything, post anything, do anything that offends anybody. But here's the danger in you adopting that mentality. If this book can't offend you, you will never receive the blessings that are inside those scriptures. Because this book is a mirror that's supposed to be held in front of your face. Because you don't change what it says, it, what it says is supposed to change you. And if it can't offend you, you don't honor it. If you only want the blessings, you don't honor it. If you only want the promises, you don't honor it. Because you're trying to tell it what it's allowed to say to you because your feelings are more important than the message. But that book will offend you. And Pray to God it does because it offended me right out of hell and into his salvation. It confronted me where I was and told me I wasn't living right and I changed my direction. So it doesn't matter how I feel about a situation. What does the book say? Well, Bishop Mitchum, how do you feel about the abortion issue? makes absolutely no difference in the world how I feel. What does the book say? I have no opinion because I have separated my opinion from what the book says. And I testify of thus saith the Lord because my opinion and, a, and 89 cents will buy you a cup of coffee at a truck stop. But it won't get anybody into heaven. So I stop speaking my opinion so that I can declare what he has said because he alone has the words of eternal life. Somebody say amen. Going forward in this teaching over the next several weeks, this point alone is going to be the difference between you getting free in your life or staying stuck where you are. The word is the key to change. Faith cometh by and hearing by the. So the word is the key to change. That means when you receive the word, you're getting the recipe for how to move into your promises. You can't just snatch promises, you've got to get a word that gives you access. To the promise. And you won't access those promises until you change. Hello? If you could reach your promises from where you are right now, you'd have them already. Because you've prayed, you've cried, you've fasted, you've beat the floor, you've got prayer partners, you, you've hopped on one foot, you've spun around, you've flopped like a fish out of water, you've done all the stuff and all the things and you still don't have it. If you could reach your promise from where you are right now, you'd have it already. 
That ought to teach you, you got to change to get what it is that you're looking for. But you will never change until you get the revelation, and you won't receive the revelation unless you honor His Word above how it makes you feel. Is this okay? Uh huh. So you're always going to rise to the level of your revelation, never above it. That's why I don't apologize for being a word church. Never have, never will. We honor the word above, at promise of victory above everything else. Yes, we worship. Yes, we praise. Yes, we get a little crazy. Yes, we get a little radical. Yes, we believe in fellowship. Yes, we want to be intentionally connected. Yes, we want to be uncommonly kind. We're a church that does all those things. But above everything else, we have always put an honor and an onus on the word of God. We want to preach it. We want to live it. We want to receive it. We want to have revelation from it because the word is what sets us free. Can somebody say amen? Go ahead. Give the word of God a hand clap of praise. So if you don't honor the Word, you can't access the power that's contained in it. Okay? So, so if you honor the Word only as Scripture to be memorized, then that's all the power that it's ever going to open in your life. But if you honor the Word of God as a living, breathing, illuminated funnel by which the Holy Ghost pours divine revelation into your spirit and gives wisdom and gives empowerment and causes you to possess every promise in those pages, then you will find access to things that other people never find. Because you're going to start believing that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can imagine or even think. But you can't receive that kind of access from anything that you don't honor. Is this okay? Listen, if you disrespect authority, you can't access a position of authority. That means you have limited what is possible in your life. Because you've been praying for a promotion. You've been praying for God to make you the boss of the project. But God cannot give you access to a position that you don't honor. He heard what you said about all them other supervisors. You have no honor for that position. Why would he give it? Y'all not going to help me. I told you it's going to get tough. If you don't like this week, we'll install seatbelts for the next couple of teachings in this series. Because it, 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 this, is, this is kindergarten stuff compared to where we're heading. Listen, if you don't honor that position, how could God ever give you access to it? You, maybe you're one of these single fellas that say things like, there's no good women. No, there's no good women where you've been looking. Especially if you ain't been looking for a good woman, you've been looking for a good time. Y'all not, <laughs> uh-huh. If you're looking in some dishonorable place for some dishonorable, shady, dishonorable plaything, you didn't find a wife because you don't have access to that kind of level of relationship. Because you're not showing honor to the per Y'all, y'all. All men are the same. They're no good cheating dogs. I don't need one. Good, because you won't get access to one. And if you do, you won't keep him long if you get one. If that's your opinion, because your honor gives you access. I can see where you're heading in life by watching what you honor. That's why I always advise young women, before you say I do to a man, how's he treat his mama? How's he treat his sisters? If he's got a female boss at work, how's he react to her? Because if he shows honor to a lady, you got a good shot. If he's always talking down about women, don't think you'll be the exception to the rule. I can see where you're heading by how you show honor. I am big on honor. I always have been. Maybe it's my southern roots. Maybe it was the way I was raised. I was taught with a thing that they no longer teach called manners. I know it's outdated, old-fashioned, but it was instilled in me when I was a little boy. I still have to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. It's just instilled in me. I don't care how old you are. People say, well, I'm not that much older than you. It has absolutely nothing to do with your age. And has everything to do with my honor towards you. When I call you ma'am, I'm not calling you old lady. I'm showing you honor. Uh huh. And, and, and I'm big on honor because God is big on honor. 
And I learned a long time ago that I can never access folks that I have shown dishonor to. Here's what the culture of the world looks like. If you're wondering what it is that you're battling, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. They will act rebellious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Swipe left. Get them out your life. You don't need them. But look what the Bible also says in 1 John 2.16. For the world offers only a craving for physical. You want to know why you can't get them out of your life? Because you have a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything you see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this world. So if you're kingdom minded, you're supposed to crave other stuff. And it looks strange to the world Because they only know how to crave the physical and the material. They have flesh wounds. And that's what you're battling trying to become a kingdom-minded believer. You're battling all the flesh wounds that you have had your entire existence. This is going, listen, I'm building this week because when I come back in two weeks, we're going to start talking. We're going to start extracting some of these flesh wounds and putting them right out here. I mean, we're going to put them on display like it's the Old Testament. We're going to sacrifice them on the altar to the Lord. I'm going to be calling them out as though they are and letting you see them on full display and in their glory because it's the only way to get you free. You won't release anything that you won't confront. But I have to teach you this week why it's so important for you to honor this word because this word shows you why you have to prioritize what he said over what you want, your desires, your flesh wounds. The world has a very limited understanding of honor. When you go into a courtroom, they call the man or the woman up on the podium dressed in a black robe, your, uh, until they do something and pass a ruling that they don't agree with, then they call them something else. It's funny how they, the world thinks you can just flip a switch and show honor or dishonor however you feel. Another area that we say we honor, but we soon forget it, is when I have two people standing in front of me, and I say, the person by whose hand you hold, do you promise to love And cherish and obey that. Oh, yeah. I do, Pastor. I really, really do. And three years later, you're in a courtroom trying to rip their eyeballs clean out of their sockets. You would not throw a cup of water on them if they were on a fire. Where did all that honor go? And every time I get one of my office for counseling, it's always saying that. Well, they did this and they did that. Honor has nothing to do with whether they deserve it or what they did. Allow me to give you your first lesson in honoring somebody in a kingdom way. If you really honor anything or anyone, it will cause you to alter the way you live. Not the way they live. Well, I'll honor them if I can't honor them unless. I would honor them, but it has nothing to do with how they live, but how your standard is. I honor my wife, and it has altered the way I live. I do things for her I don't do for everybody else. For instance, she and I are walking through town on a sidewalk, whether we're on vacation or we're in Pittsburgh going to eat. She knows better, but she tries it anyway. She tries to get to the outside and always move her to the inside. You walk over here, I walk by the street. If something's going to jump a curb, it's going to hit me. It ain't going to hit you. I I, I honor her. Uh When we walk through a parking lot at night, I put her a little bit in front of me. I walk behind her because if something's going to come up behind them, they're going to have to get through me to get. Because I... 
because I honor her. Now, I know, I know some of you feminists, I just felt your blood pressure raise. Oh, a typical man, you think you have to protect her. You probably think women are weak. Let me tell you a thing. I saw this woman give birth. Not once, not twice, but three times. Yeah, she had the babies because we're old-fashioned. And let me tell you something. (laughs) After what I watched her do in that delivery room, if it comes down to her and the Terminator, my money's on that woman right there. Because if she can bring life into this world, ain't no man in the world want to mess with that woman, no. See, the chauvinist says put the women in the back. The feminist says put the woman in the front. But God said she come out of the side because you're supposed to do this thing together. But I honor her because she is my wife. Whether she earned it or not. Many, many years ago, we've been married almost 30 years. We were newly married. I was young, not real bright. Especially when it came to living with a woman. Because I live with my mom, but moms ain't women. (laughs) You know it's true. Because your mom loves you and pets you down. And whether you show any honor to her or not, she's just right there. Because you're just my lovey-dovey sugar sugar. But come and give mommy a kiss. It don't matter whether your kids show you honor or not. You just bend over backwards. So I never learned how to be around a woman because I was around my mom. And mama's always just mama. So I was young and not real bright, and one night we were laying in bed, and she needed to go to the bathroom, and she got up, and it was dark, and I was the last person to use the bathroom, and did I mention it was dark, and she got a baptism she did not ask for, and as a young man, I learned to honor my wife to put the seat down. And I still do it to this day. It's just a habit. And I wouldn't have to do it if I was living with a bunch of dudes. But I honor, I honor my wife. And by the way, Jesus invented the church. And he called the church his bride. So it's a kingdom idea for me to show her honor. Oh, and by the way, in order for you to be part of the church body, you're going to have to honor different ideas. You're not going to necessarily like everything that goes on. You're not necessarily going to like all the looks and the feels and how everything operates. All the music may not be to your satisfaction. Maybe the praising is too crazy and too radical for you. Service might be too long. It's never going to be too short unless somebody else is preaching. It might be too hot. It might be too cold. You may not like all of the things about church, but you adapt and you compromise. Why? Because you honor what God is doing in the house. And you want to be attached to it. So what happens when honor is ignored for our own preferences? When we forget how to honor God and His Word above everything else, we make our desires and our lusts the standard that we live by. So the prisons get full and the churches get empty. How do I know that? Because in America you can't read a Bible in school, but they beg us to send them to the prison. I can't go to a middle school and preach about Jesus, but prisons have full-time chaplains. Unfortunately, it's about too late by the time they get them in the prison house because we wouldn't let God into the schoolhouse, and we didn't have Him in enough of our houses. Can somebody say amen? Why? Because this culture has a blatant disrespect for God. And if you don't respect Him... Your lusts and your desires become the standard. Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 29. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to give you two stories about Jesus, okay? Are you okay? I'm going to give you two stories about Jesus, and I'm going to tie them together, okay? The first one's Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 29. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee. He's at the Sea of Galilee, remember that. And climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd came and brought to him people who were lame, 
blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus. There's no way the Bible says this. Because I've been in a lot of church services and I ain't never seen it happen. He healed them. How many? Man, I want to be in a church where everybody gets healed. I want to be in a church where all get healed. This is where I'm going, by the way. For the, 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 rest of this, the rest of this teaching is, is about this. Like, I just got goosebumps on my goosebumps. The, the, rest of my, the rest of this is about this. Because do you see what I see? He healed, he healed them all. And verse 31 says the crowd was amazed. I bet they were. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking and the blind could see again. And they, look at their response. They praised the God of Israel. This was what happened. When everybody got healed at the Sea of Galilee, they praised. Uh-huh. I want a church where everybody's healed. Every marriage is healed. Every mental illness is healed. Every addiction is broken. I, I want that church. Amen? And, and we always say we're wanting to see miracles in church. Well, according to this word, we should see miracles in church. And over the next few weeks, we're going to examine why there has been such a deterioration of power. So, so if I read this right, Jesus is capable of emptying out whole hospitals. He healed everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, all means all. Uh-huh. Then in Mark chapter 6, he comes to his hometown. Verse 1, Jesus left that party of the, part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. At the Sea of Galilee, they praised. In Nazareth... They scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Ju Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here. They, li they live right down here on Smith Street. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Do you see a difference in the two areas? Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed. At the Sea of Galilee, the people were amazed. In Nazareth, Jesus was amazed. They were amazed at the miracles that he did. He was amazed at their unbelief. What is the difference between the experience at the Sea of Galilee and the, and the experience at Nazareth? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. Jesus didn't suddenly show up in Nazareth and lose his anointing. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It had to do with a lack of honor. Can I go deeper? Are you okay? It's been 44 minutes. Are you still alright? They couldn't receive not because of anything he did or didn't do, but because of how they perceived him. All they knew about Jesus in Nazareth was these rumors that his mama claimed she got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And they'd seen some wobbly chairs that him and Joseph had sold. And that's all they knew about Jesus, and they were offended that this man would try to teach them about eternal things because I graduated with him. He didn't even play football. His sister lives right down here, buys eggs at the same store, I, same corner market. They, they were too familiar. It caused them to lose their honor. They were so familiar with the supernatural that they stopped honoring it. All they knew was what they had heard. Sometimes people know too much common about you that they'll miss the supernatural that's in you. You know, just like some folks know too much bad about you to ever believe any good about you. That's what's happening here. At the Sea of Galilee, they praised God because Jesus performed miracles. But in Nazareth, they just saw Him as a carpenter and Jesus Himself couldn't help them. 
how many churches are gathering right now on Sunday. Right now they're in service and even Jesus can't help them. Even Jesus can't perform miracles. Even Jesus can't heal. Even Jesus can't deliver because they have gotten too familiar that they have lost their honor, their all, their respect of him. And they don't say, come Lord Jesus, because they know if he comes in, he's going to rearrange some stuff. He's going to make the past. Some pastor's going to have to sit down. Y'all, I, y'all not going to help me. There's some pastors going to have to sit down. There's some people singing in the choir that's got to sit down. There, there's some folks that's praying for other people that needs prayer themselves that needs to sit down. Because when Jesus comes in, he starts rearranging the deck chairs, and he starts taking some stuff off the wall, and he starts making sure that the temple is in order, and, and he makes you uncomfortable because he confronts you with this word and if you don't honor him and this word above your standard of living you won't change what it's necessary for him to help you wow I just did a lot of preaching right there in 20 seconds let me give you something else if you honor your pastor I have the ability to bless you but you don't have access to that blessing Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. In other words, you should make it easy for your pastor that he is joyful to stand in between you and the devil. You need to treat a pastor with respect. Show them honor. Why? Because they fight stuff that's trying to get at you and at your family and at your soul. And you don't even know that it's after you because in order to get to you, it's got to get through me first. And the anointing that's on my life keeps devils out of your lap. Wow. Some of you don't even know the battles you would have been in, but I got in the way. that's That's why you should show honor. Remember, I told you you can't have access to anything that you don't respect. And through the years, I met a lot of people that were damaged at previous churches and by other pastors. And they've they developed this offense. Remember, they said they were offended at Jesus. They have taken on an offense that they've never released. And even though they come to this church and I am their teacher, I never become their pastor. Because in order for them to take on another pastor, it means that they have to become vulnerable. And they're not willing to do that because they've been hurt in the past. So if there is an anointing on my life, and I pray to God there is, you can't access it if you don't honor me. If, you, if, if you're always looking up there going, I'm not real sure about this guy. I mean, look how he sweats. Why is he so aggressive and so loud and... He don't even dress like a preacher. And if that's the attitude you have, if God wanted to bless you through my ministry, you couldn't get access to the blessing because you put disrespect between me and you. Is this Bible? Am I teaching Bible? Do you remember back in Matthew 10 when Jesus sent the disciples out with power to cast out devils and heal the sick? He told them there are some towns that won't receive you. I'm giving you power to do great things. But when you get to certain towns, people are not going to receive you. And here's what verse 41 says. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will be given the same reward as the prophet. Notice he did not say if they act right, do right, dress right. He put the onus on you. He said, if you receive, you unlock the blessing." has nothing to do with how they act or how they present themselves or what they do. He says, all you got to do is receive them. And if you're on the receiving end, you're not receiving just them. You're also receiving the reward that I hid inside of them. There's blessing in their life that has ability to bless you that you cannot access unless you honor them. Is this okay? Think back to March of 2020. If you were, I know a lot of you were not part of our group, but some of you are. We shut down for nine weeks in March. And they said, Pastor, why'd you shut your church down? Now, I've been asked that many times. Why'd you shut your church down? I, I shut down for nine weeks. We come back the Sunday after Mother's Day. Why'd you shut your church down? And it was very easy for me to answer. I didn't have to get political. I didn't have to talk about a virus even. It was very easy for me 
to tell people why I shut down. Because my pastor asked me to. My state overseer sent a letter out and asked every one of our churches to close down. And I didn't have no Bible to tell me how to fight COVID because it ain't in there. I didn't have dreams or visions. Didn't no prophet come by and speak, hear ye, hear ye. I didn't have no Bible. I didn't have no revelation. So I fell back on the one thing I did have, honor. Honor for the pastor that is over my life. And when he asked me to close, I did what he asked me to do. Because every Sunday I stand up in this pulpit and I ask you to do uncomfortable things. Things that you don't want to do. I challenge you. And I ask you to honor me as that I have heard from the Lord and that I'm bringing you a word from the Lord. And take that word and to apply it to your life and it will change your life. And how can I ask you to honor me if I don't honor those that are over my life? Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to skip ahead um, to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul is talking about something called an inheritance, and I'm, I'm going to wrap up after this thought. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance to his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. Why? Because verse 2 says this. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. So even though they own it all, it's doing them absolutely no good. Because they haven't reached the age of maturity. Some of you are retired and the only reason you got to that that benefit, that blessing, is because you reached a certain age. You had to reach a level of maturity. See, an inheritance is a prearranged blessing that is not available to you until you reach a level of maturation. Well, heaven has prearranged blessings for your life. And it cannot be released into you until you reach a certain level of maturity. But some of us have been held back because we have been stuck in immature mindsets, immature attitudes, immature relationships. We, we talk like a baby. We think like a baby. We immaturely get offended like a baby. And even though we own all of it, we can't possess it. Because the inheritance is not yours until you get mature. Look at your neighbor and say, time to grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever level. Notice what it says. They have to obey their guardians. I- I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I-, I got a lot to pray. I- man, I could-, I could talk about so much, but I got to quit. I'm killing our-, our youth workers, man. I'm killing our youth workers. <laughs> our- when- when- yeah, we- yeah, there's- yeah, I'm-, I'm killing these guys. I have so much I can say. When, 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 you, when you get to a level of maturity, you realize that God has hidden your blessing. He says, you can't get it until you honor the guardian set over you. In other words, your blessing is locked up inside somebody else that you will never get the key to till you learn to honor them. That, that, that's what... This is not the world's standard. This is a different standard. This is as countercultural as, as you can get. Because this, this culture wants to cancel everybody that tweeted something hateful 10 years ago. Instead of honoring, we don't honor positions anymore. We don't honor people of authority. We, we, we want to cast dispersions and big wide nets and say that all these people are bad and all these people, and everybody that looks, don't look like us or vote like us or this group of people is terrible and don't play, don't, that you should never use these people's voices because they, they had a hateful idea when they were 12. This is countercultural because Jesus come preaching the kingdom, he didn't care about politics. Or Twitter. He, he didn't care about public opinion. Now notice, he talks about, Paul is talking about an inheritance. What he's not talking about is sowing and reaping. Because sowing and reaping has seasons. Every Sunday when you come in here, you sow. And sowing has a season. And then you reap. And then reaping comes to an end. And then it's, it's cyclical. You sow for a while, then you reap for a while, then you sow some more, and then you reap some more. It's seasonal. An inheritance isn't like that. An an inheritance doesn't come and go. It comes and stays. Once it's yours, it's yours. And, And here's... Because inheritance has nothing to do with how much you sowed. 
The inheritance has to do with who's your daddy. And here's why. And this ought to make everybody in here sign up to serve somewhere in the house of God. You ought to be working the nursery or being an usher or something after this scripture. Colossians chapter 3. Work, dil- work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. See, see when you serve other people, you honor them, you unlock your own reward. Don't you ever get surprised if you show up out here and you find me picking up trash in the parking lot or scrubbing a toilet or vacuuming a rug or fixing a pipe. I've done it all and I'll still do it all. Why? Because the Bible told me a long time ago that God's eyes go to and fro looking for somebody to bless. And if he's going to bless me by serving other folks, then I'm going to be about my father's business and doing whatever I can do to get his eye on me because I need some blessing. Is there anybody in the house that would like some blessing from heaven? So what I'm telling you is that you need a different standard than the world has. And it's a standard that is higher than your preferences. I don't always agree with everything that I honor. I'll go back to the COVID situation. I didn't want to close. I didn't want to. I did it willingly. Two years later, as our state administrative bishop was retiring, I'm on the state council for West Virginia, and we were in a state council meeting, and and he looked at us and he said, my greatest regret in all of my 25 years of state overshare was asking you boys to close your churches. I said, Bishop, don't worry about it. We didn't know what we didn't know. And in the early days, we didn't know. We were sold a bunch of fear and people were just operating out of impulse because we didn't know. But I honored you and I still honor you. Because God doesn't honor you because of your outcome he honors you because of your standard that I did the right thing even though I didn't want to do it I I did what I knew was right even when it wasn't the easy choice because he doesn't honor you because of the outcome he he rewards you because of your standard and God has spoke to us in this house that we are supposed to get ready and be prepared to host his glory And it begins with what I've taught here today because before we can host Him, we have to first know how to host each other. Because what if God is just waiting for us to raise our standard of showing Him and others the honor they deserve? And then, just like Solomon, He's going to one-up us. That as we begin to honor one another the right way, God says, I can't let you come into this house and show me up. I'm the king of glory. And if you're going to honor me in such a way that you are looking at folks that you don't necessarily get along with or like all the ways that they do things, you're going to quit griping and complaining and criticizing. And instead, you're going to open your mouth and bless and bestow revelation and speak my word over people. I can't let you come into my house and show me up. If you want an inheritance that's going to be unlocked, you want you got to raise your standard, child of God. If you haven't got it where you are, you got to be willing to change and move into a new area. Because if you could have reached it from where you are, you'd have had it by now. But what if God's just been waiting on us to raise our standard? And then he's going to say, I can't let you show me up in my own house. Can I tell you something? I learned, I'm still learning this. Because I was raised Pentecostal. I was raised in the old Pentecostal. tambourine Pentecostal the bobby pins firing out of the hairdos Pentecostal where it was a good night at church when the preacher don't get to preach Pentecostal because of that I had a distorted view of what God looks like because I thought God looked like bodies hitting the floor and, and if you came to church and that didn't happen, it was church, but it wasn't good church. I had a distorted view of, you know, you had to swing from the chandeliers and leave Jesus tracks on the ceiling to have church. 
But the older I get, here's what I found out about God. He don't show up looking like God. He shows up looking like people. He's, he's locked up inside of folks. And we get so busy looking up, we forget to look across. And he's hid his blessing for you inside of other people. And you have to show them honor to unlock what heaven wants to get to. And if you don't ever learn how to unlock it, it'll stay just out of your reach. Because while you're looking for God, God showed up across the aisle from you. And you never knowed it. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field. In other words, he said, you're going to have to get through some dirt to find the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't like everything that's around it, but it's worth the search. And, and, and the world, they don't have this standard. They can't wait to find something wrong about you. They want to know all your jacked up details. They want to know every time that you've done something wrong. They want to know every miscue that you've had. But I want some gold diggers. What, what do you mean by that, Pastor? If you study mining, you'll find out they have to move tons of dirt to find an ounce of gold. They got to move mountainsides out of the way to find an ounce of gold. But you know what they never look at? They never look at the dirt because they ain't looking for dirt. They move the dirt because the dirt is in the way of the treasure. I want a church full of gold diggers. I want folks that are willing to look at other people and say, I know you've been an addict. I know you've been a liar. I know you've been caught in sexual perversion. I know you haven't reached God's standard, but I want you to know that there's a treasure inside of you. And if I can honor you, there's something in you that will bless me and bless my life. You're not unworthy. God died for you. His son bled for you. He loves you immensely. And you are worth it. I honor you. I honor you for trying. Oh, you relapse, that's all right. I honor you for giving it a shot. You're going to do it again, and this time you'll, you'll make it. Oh, you've been, you've been sleeping with somebody outside. Well, I, I honor you that you are, are we, we, able to confront it because God's going to get it out of you. We're going to pray right now because there might be a blessing inside of me that's going to unlock this, this miracle for you. I honor you of what's inside of you the treasure is hid under the dirt but we're just going to move all that dirt and seek for the pleasure treasure this is going to be a different this is going to be a different altar service than you used to because I'm not going to ask you to come up here I'm going to ask you to do one thing specific I know there's a couple places that need to meet you after service but before you do that I want you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2. Maybe you didn't. 1 Peter chapter 2, 17. There we go. Honor. What kind of people? All people. I, I want you to show. Peter said, I want you to show honor to, to everybody. Love the brotherhood. That's you and me. Are you saved in here? Anybody saved? Just me? Okay. You're in the brotherhood. Honor everybody. Because even unsafe folks deserve honor because they're made in the image and likeness of their father. So we honor everybody. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor the king. I honor you. I'm better because you're with me. You, you, you make this place more appealing to people and I honor you for that and, 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 and I don't have to look too far to find the treasure because you wear it right there on your face and it's a treasure and a blessing to me and everybody else that you smile at I honor you and some of y'all out there are struggling you're struggling to live right you're struggling to do right you're struggling to get rid of sin get out of sin can I tell you something 
I'm hard on sin. Yes, it's true. Because sin's hard on you. But I honor you. I honor you that you're here today. I honor you that you're giving it another shot. Because a lot of people in your condition walk away and never walk back. So the fact that you'll come to a house like this that honors the word. Because you know I don't hold back. I come loaded for bear. I tell it like it is. Even if I know you're stuck in it, I'm still going to preach at it. Because that's just the, the ministry that God's given me. I honor His Word above your feelings. But I honor you that you're still here and you're giving it a shot. Because eventually, that treasure that God hid in you is going to make its way out of that dirt. And you're going to get victory over this. Do you hear me? I honor you this morning. Because the truth is, ain't none of us got it right all the time. Every single one of us has found victory and defeat. We have, felt, we have found the treasure and the dirt living in the same house with us. I honor you. I honor you. I honor your, your respect for the house of God. How you don't talk bad about things that you don't appreciate. I don't appreciate everything that we do here, but I do it because it helps you. I'm more mature than some of you are. I could do without it. But because of where you are, I want to honor you. And we do things here that I don't even deem necessary. Because it ain't necessary for me to hold on. But if it gets one of you to hold on, I honor you enough to go through it to make it possible. Because I put you above my preferences. And I'm not a perfect pastor. I've dropped the ball more times than I care to imagine. But the thing is, I don't try to be perfect. I try to be redeemed. I'm never going to be perfect. And because I'm redeemed, when I do drop it, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. Because I honor you. I didn't mean to hurt you. And if I did, I'm sorry. I honor our relationship enough. I want to bring it back and restore it. So this is going to be a different altar service today because I'm not going to ask you to run up to the front. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, because many of you don't know anybody you're around, or you know very few. I'm going to ask you to open your mouth and show honor in the section you're sitting in. Maybe it's the five people, maybe it's the 30 people. You say, I'm not that kind of person. Listen, don't take much to just say, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I honor you. I'm thankful that you came to church today. That 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 I was able to sit by you. I like the way you worship. I, 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 I like the way you smile. I appreciate your love and your passion for Jesus. I want you to do that. I don't want you to just run out. I'm not asking you to come up. I'm asking you to go this way. And I just want you to look at people. Don't, I, you don't have to prophesy over them and tell them, Hear ye, hear ye, thus saith the Lord. I just want you to show honor and appreciation to the people that are here because that might be the only affirmation they get this whole week long. They came to promise a victory and you told them that you honored them. God bless you. I honor you. I thank you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much.